privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. I am your host, Alyssa. And I'm your host, Ashley. This is our podcast, Two English Majors, One Analysis. A show where we analyze literature to film with reference to pop culture. This week, we are picking up where we left off on Good Omens. So this is the part two of Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. And we want to start off this week by thanking everyone for the support. And we just want to invite new listeners. If this is your first time listening, obviously, this is a part two episode. So go listen to part one and then come back to this one. But we're super excited to have any new listeners that want to try out the show since Good Omens was a bit of a bigger book and it's part of a mini series on Amazon Prime, we did break it up into the two separate episodes, but we are excited for anyone that's listening. And then Alyssa, did you want to say a special thank you to anyone? Um, yeah, just a special thank you to everybody who has been supporting us on our way so far, far and whoever has bought some of our sweatshirts. Thank you a lot. <laughs> thank you so much for supporting us. And then we also would like to add a little note that today we're a bit burnt out from finals week. We're very proud of ourselves for getting this episode in. But if we seem a little bit down today, we're just a bit, we're a bit out of it because finals just ended on Friday for some of us. And we are getting this done on Monday and getting this out to you guys today. So, yeah. Finals may have ended, but my brain has not stopped running a million miles an hour from finals. Like, you can't just stop. If you're sprinting, you can't just stop sprinting. You got to, like, slowly come to. Otherwise, you'll trip and fall. So now my brain is just slowly slowing down. It's like, oh, we're on break. But now there's all the stress of Christmas. So my brain's like, wait, wait, wait. Are we actually on break? <laughs> There's a lot still going on. <laughs> You're never on break. Now we just have to deal with family and money problems. <laughs> so The money problems of Christmas with a poor college student. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Isn't that how it always works? Because you have in college, you have so many friends and you like go back home to your family for Christmas and you're just so excited. But you don't have enough money to show everyone how excited you are to see no. them. And how much you appreciate, like, your college friends. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. Nobody told me that the more friends I get, the more obligated I would feel to get gifts. And I was like, no, my money. <laughs> my, oh, no, my bank account. It's broken. <laughs> Basically, that's that's the point we're at. It right uh, I mean, we both work and go to school full time. So for us, we definitely try our hardest to, like, keep up I mean we do our podcast we both do at least like 15 credit hours in school each semester 
We both graduate upcoming in May. Yep. So me and Alyssa got a lot going on. So today we're not just completely burnt out. We're just a little tired. We're going to take a little rest after this episode's recorded. And then, you know, we'll deal with our next challenge, which is not finals, but it is the holidays <laughs> there before us. Yes, the worst challenge of them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, we love our families. We love our families. We just, so much going on, so much going on. And really, honestly, at least we're just happy to start the new semester. Yes. Honestly, I think I'm more excited to start next semester than I am for Christmas, but that's just because it's my last semester. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be our last, but probably our most stressful, though. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's the last semester, but I'm like, I'm like, can I just start it? I don't even care that I'm burned out right now. Let's just start it, and I can finish it sooner and be done. Give me my degree, please. I just want to leave, man. <laughs> <laughs> we love our college. I should say we love NKU. We love the NKU English department staff. We love like all of that we're a part of for NKU but we are ready for our degrees. We are ready to walk in that little graduation robe and the little hat that you wear. Yeah. <gasps> Maybe we should do that on our graduation caps as our, like, That's the two English I was thinking, major. I was literally thinking the same thing. I was like, I'm probably just going to put, like, the Spotify QR code on the, on the Do, cap. like, the Spotify QR code and put, like, when sometimes when we talk about our podcast, instead of saying, like, two English majors, one analysis, we'll just abbreviate to... T-E-M-O-A. So if you ever see us do that, that's just saying... Temoa. Temoa. <laughs> but, so yeah, so it, that's what we abbreviated to. So we could probably do like that and then do like our little symbol on our hats. Yeah. Some glitter because why not? <laughs> glitter. Glitter, glitter, glitter. Twirl, twirl, twirl. Oh, no, no, I don't know that. <laughs> but yeah, no. So we promised that we... Uh, did all of our research we've done we've done the reading we've watched the show and we're excited to wrap up this episode this probably will be a shorter episode given that we already covered most of the book and a lot of the changes mm -hmm. so this will just kind of be a little recap of what we talked about last week and then a well as well as like mostly just covering the ending of good yeah. omens so today is mostly going to be us like getting the last talking about the last three episodes and the last half of the book and then talking about some of the major themes that we caught that we weren't able to express uh within the last episode because we only did the first half so now we have a full complete analysis of the entire book and the show all right, so first, let's just go over a few things that we covered last week. So we talked about Crowley's obsession and love for Queen and how that's the only thing that plays in his car. That's an important, important note. Um, we talked about how Crowley is the demon of the show. He became the snake of the Garden of Eden and Aziraphale, who gave the flaming sword to Adam. And we talked about like how at the beginning it shows them, and it talks about like how... Crowley asks Aziraphale if that was such a good idea. And that sword does get brought back up at the ending of the show and of the book. Mm -hmm. So it is just important to note that. Also, I would like to clarify that when she says Adam, she's talking about the biblical Adam and not the character Adam. Because there's two there's yes. two Adams. So biblical Adam. Little kid Adam does not have a sword. Yeah, little kid. Well, not yet. Not yet, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. And then let's see. 
So there's this part where the babies all get mixed up. And yes, in the last three episodes, you see where the American politician gets brought to where they think the end of the world is going to happen. But like, since he was mixed up, it doesn't really matter. But I don't really want to focus too heavily on that part because I didn't feel like it was as important unless you do. Uh, I think it was a little bit like of a funny bit because it's when the demons realize that who they thought was the Antichrist like for the past like 11, 12 years was, was not. And so they're like pissed. Well, yeah, and, you know, like, there's, like, that funny part of, like, he's, like, let me meet the boy, and he's, like, this demon that's, like, all grotesque, and he's, like, where's his dog? He should have a dog. Why does he not have a dog? And, like, I was, like, that's kind of funny, but, like, as a whole arching of the story, it just wasn't as important to the show. It was important for the show to show it, but it just wasn't, like, important for us to, like, be, like, here's every detail from that scene. Yeah. What did he call himself? He said he was an uh, architect. No, an archaeologist. Yeah. And then his his name was something just completely ridiculous. It was a pun. I, I don't remember what it was. Oh, I'll okay. have to look that up later, but... That I just remember, it was just an utterly ridiculous name. It had nothing to do with archaeology, and it was like a combination of like two words set together ended up being like one word. It was it was weird, but I remember it cracked me up. Yeah. So, and then there's also the importance of Crowley's 1926 Bentley that he drives that he has completely like kept up to be a nice car for today's end. And then let's just go over the characters. So we got. Adam, who is the Antichrist, who is an 11-year-old boy. Then we have all of Adam's little friends. Pepper being one of the more important ones, I feel like, who's the girl of their Gotta friend group. Pepper. We mentioned two of the horsemen last week. We're going to cover all four of them today. And then we got um, Anathema, who is our doom witch slash the person who holds Agnes's book. Yes. <laughs> Of all the prophecies that are the only true collection of prophecies in the world. We got Newt, Pulsifier, Crowley, and Aziraphale, obviously. And I think that that's pretty much all of the characters that we need to get this episode started. Yeah, the... And Dog. Never forget Dog. (laughs) Yeah, Dog. Dog. The Hellhound Dog. (laughs) That is his mission in life now, is to be a dog. And he does it so good. He's such a good boy. He is. He's such the best good. boy. All right. So first, I want to kind of start this episode with starting at the end. So at the very end, it shows Crowley and Aziraphale both get sentenced to death by their colleagues. So they both kind of get kidnapped off of Earth and taken back to heaven and hell. And it's pretty much for them messing up. And, you know, the Antichrist, who's, who wasn't who everyone thought it was... The end of the world, Armageddon, does not happen. Spoiler alert. Um, So pretty much they're like, you two were in charge of this. It all got messed up. It was prophesized. And they stopped it, too. Yeah, they helped, like, stop Armageddon. And so they both get sentenced to death. And in the book and show, how a demon dies is being, like, splashed with holy water. Like, even a drop will completely disseminate yeah so they have Crowley like sit they're gonna have him sit in this tub like this huge tub just full of holy water and then for Aziraphale they have him like put into a ring of hellfire yeah so that's how the angels die is like the hellfire the hellfire kills 
the angels and then the holy water. So they have like, there's a bathtub and they're going to pour like, have them sit in it and pour the water on them, which is funny. So pretty much it's pretty easy how they die, but they don't die. And the reason is there's this twist and you don't see it in the show. Like you don't know that they have switched places and they've taken on the form of each other until they meet back up. And it shows, it's so funny because Crowley is a Xerophil and they put him in the hellfire and he starts laughing. He's like, <laughs> like all crazy, like. Doesn't he like spit some of it out too? Yeah. All, like, the, it, all the angels are just like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, they're just standing there in absolute awe. And then same with uh, Crowley slash Xerophil down in the, like the, ha- in the He like bath. splashes the He's water up on the wall. He's just splashing it on the wall, like, terrifying all the other demons. <laughs> well, and the archangel, uh, the archangel angel Michael is, like, a woman in the show. Yeah. And she comes, and she has, like, a pitcher of more water because she thinks it's going to kill him. And he asks her, he's like, can you get me a bath towel? Like, <laughs> and she's like, uh, yes. So she, like, is mortified and horrified that, like, he's not dying because he's supposed to be dying in this holy water. And he's just, like, splashing around laughing. And so both of their colleagues think that they have just, like, evolved to a point to where, like, Mm -hmm. nothing can hurt them. And then they meet back up on a park bench and switch back. Yeah. And it's really funny just because, like, how they portray each other is so perfect because you know that it's, like, them pretending to be the other one, but the way that they do it it's amazing. And another thing to note is that Agnes Nutter knew this was going to happen. She she predicted that that would happen, too. Mm-hmm. That's what gave them the idea to do it. So it's just this weird, like, circle effect. Yeah. And so it just, like, worked out for them that, they like, neither one of them died. But you knew that their colleagues were going to try to off them. But in the show, you don't see that they switch places. You You have an assumption, I feel like. But it's not, like, confirmed until they meet back up. Yeah, like, I don't know. I thought, I was like, something's not right here. I I don't know. You you have your ideas. Well, and then um, I think part of it that was so funny is that when they meet back up and they switch places, before they switch places, they're telling each other what they did. Yeah. And so, like, Aziraphel is so proud of himself for how he portrays Crowley. He's like, and then I said to... Michael, can you get me a bath towel? And <laughs> Crowley loves it. He thinks it's so funny. Like, Yeah, well, that kind of plays along with, like, some of the certain themes of the entire story overall. You know, that you're not uh, purely good or you're not purely evil. You know, everybody's a bit of both. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely, like, part of who they are. Like, it's part of what defines them. But it was it was a funny ending. That was, like, probably, like... One of my favorite endings to a TV show because they left it off to yeah. where, like, there was so much potential, like, and it, it was ambiguous. But it's ambiguous in the book, too. I feel like you, it kind of leaves off to where you don't know if there could be a second book. Yeah. I don't I don't know. It's... I like both. I think they were both, even though, like, the book was a little bit more ambiguous. I still, I still feel like it was very satisfying. It was oh, a very yeah. satisfying end. I was happy with the ending. Like, I like that it kind of leaves off to where it's like, oh, well, now we're, what do they do now? Because it shows them in episode three, if we're going back, like, all their friendship, like, doing all these things. So it's like, there's the potential that they continue doing, like, balancing each other out with acts of good and evil. 
And so it's like, is they, I mean, they could do more with it, but also just leaving it where it is, I think is satisfying. Like, it's nice. Yeah, I I think it's a good end, but there is going to be, we talked about this in our last episode too, there is going to be a uh, second season. season. Yeah. Uh, but we have no idea where that's going to go. Where do you think they're going to pull it? Like, use honestly, use I have <laughs> no idea because they've already like they've already faced Armageddon, and they used the entire book for season one. And Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett said that they weren't going to write another one, so it's not like there's a sequel for them to base off of it. So mm-hmm. I'm like, part of me hopes that they're using the authors, even if they're not working together, as like maybe inspiration, yeah. like hey, where would you guys take it if you were to do a second book? And, like, giving some feedback of to, like, help, like, direct maybe where it goes, but not... I'm trying to think of some maybe other biblical reference that could be, like, a challenge within the story, but there's nothing... Armageddon's that, such a Armageddon huge, like... one. That is, like, the thing, so, yeah. Unless you did, like, a backstory. I mean, you could do a backstory of, like... I mean, they pop in at Noah's Ark at one point, so if you did, like... A season two not leaving off where season one did, but, like, going back at, like, the adventures of Crowley and Aziraphale, you could do, like, what happened with Noah's Ark, what happened during the Crusades, because that was another part that they chose, you know, like... Yeah, that's true. And do more detail than just, like, the little couple-minute... I don't know, but the trailer still looks like they're in the modern day. I think they are, yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's the only issue, it's just, like, what what are they gonna do? How do you, how do you top... Armageddon for biblical reference unless maybe they put in some Lovecraftian horror. I can't I can't imagine. Could you imagine that? Well, in the show, it shows Aziraphale's really trying to talk to uh, God, but he keeps getting the speaker of God, the messenger. Yeah. God's messenger. Whose name escapes me at the moment. I don't know. Me- Metatron. Metatron, yeah. Yeah, Metatron. Metatron. So... And I know that in the show Supernatural... I was going to say, that's not how yeah. is. <laughs> in the show Supernatural, Metatron is, like, a huge character where he, like, wants to become God. Like, because no one in Supernatural, like, at this point in Supernatural, no one has, like, know who God is. And so Metatron, like, tries to become his own God and is like, well, I write, I'm God's scribe, I write what he says, so... Therefore, this is truth. So I'm like, maybe they could do something like that and like pull from that idea of where Metatron, since he does talk to Aziraphale, is like trying to become a dictator and like create it. But I don't know because I've seen that happen in Supernatural. Yeah. So it's like, is it good to also have this one do it? Because they could play with it in a more comical way than mm-hmm. Supernatural did because Supernatural's meant to be more serious. They have comical like points, yeah. but it's like a more you know, serious yeah. thriller. Good Omens is 100% a satirical. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so a satirical piece. I don't know. I'm, I've been trying to think about what else they could do, if not maybe even do their own form of... But again, it's modern day, but, like, we talked about Milton's Paradise Lost in the past episode. I feel like that would be brilliant. I'm... I, I would love to see that with Aziraphale and Crowley in the middle of Paradise Lost. I don't know. I think that'd be funny, too. All right, so let's think. So one of, like, the most iconic scenes, I think, towards the ending of the three episodes is we talked about how much Crowley loves his car, his 1926 Bentley. And there is, where Armageddon is about to happen, a huge ring of hellfire, like, comes around them to, like, block them out. And Crowley's in the car with another demon 
who was like, doesn't like Crowley because demons don't trust each other. Why would they? And he's like, you can't get through that, Crowley. And Crowley's like, watch me. And he drives his car and the demon like pops out. He's like, you're going to kill us both. Like, you're crazy. And Crowley just drives his Bentley through the hellfire. And like, there's cops on the other side of the hellfire ring. And he pops out and they look at him. And he's just like, doesn't he ask for directions? Yeah, or something. He asks for directions and he's like, is he okay? He's like, I guess so. And then the other cop's like, he waved at us. Yeah, like... (laughs) Because uh, they uh, his car is like on fire. Like it's not like he gets out of the hellfire and the car extinguishes. Like he's still on fire driving, and he's on fire all the way until where he gets where he's supposed to meet everyone. And at this point, it's important to mention Aziraphale isn't dead, but he's not alive. So Aziraphale's bookstore gets burned down yes. by the witch hunter colonel. Yes, he comes and burns it down because he thinks Aziraphale's a witch, and Aziraphale is working on a spell to go back home, but he wasn't ready to go back home yet because he was trying to stop Armageddon. And the witch hunter comes in and he steps into the circle and it sends him back home. But because he wasn't done with his spell and he wasn't done getting everything ready, it destroys his human body, like his physical body. So he goes back to heaven. (laughs) There's like this joke where uh, he goes and meets like one of the commanding officers for the heaven's army and... He's like, weren't you issued with? He's like, yes, I know a sword. I don't know where it is. I lost it. Like, I'm sorry. And he's like, a body. I was going to say a body and a sword. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> like, Aziraphale doesn't have a body. He's like, uh-oh, like, it got destroyed. And so Aziraphale just, like, goes over to this huge globe and picks a point and ends up, like, in this woman's mind, like a fortune teller. She wasn't a fortune teller. It's She, she speaks to spirits. Sort of. Hold on. She's in here. But he's stuck in her mind and like, but like him and her go back and forth because like, Madam Tracy painted Jezebel morning only Thursdays by arrangement. Arrangement and medium. She's a medium. There you go. That's the word. So yeah, like Aziraphale, like she can take back her mind at any point. So like her and Aziraphale keep like switching back and forth and they have conversations with each other if you ever seen lord of the rings and when Gollum like talks to himself that's exactly what it looks like well but before he gets into her body he actually goes and he can talk to crowley and he talks to crowley as if he's a spirit but crowley can't see him and crowley's like sad because he thinks that his best friend died and he's like he's crying at like this table eating by himself Talking about how his best friend died. It's a very pure moment. And especially when Zira follows, like, in my bookstore. And then Crowley's like, oh, no. <laughs> and he's like, there's, there's no more bookstore. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just a very sad, like, pure moment of, like, oh, no. Because, the, like, the thing was with Zira Fellows, we talked about this in our last episode, too, is that he had a bookstore, but it was his book collection that he was disguising as a bookstore Mm -hmm. so his goal was to never sell a book and to chase away all of his customers yes and so then as gets like that's when he tells crowley where to go because he figured it out what was gonna happen and so then that's when crowley pulls up in his on fire bentley and as like crowley like (laughs) and then this is where like, everything pulls yeah. together. But we can't... Our words do not do the Bentley on fire justice. justice. No. 
if you can imagine a crazed man with snake eyes driving <laughs> through fire, it's it's very hard to explain, but I just remember like God saying something along the lines of he he went through everything with this car. He started out in this car and by God, he's going to die in this car or something or something like that. Or he's going to end it with this car. And then the only difference between him, uh, Crowley and Hawthorne is that Crowley has imagination. All he has, he's imagining right now that burnt that burnt rubber and his car on fire is everything is going to be okay. <laughs> something like that. I was like, that's, that's like the dog in the middle of the, like, the burning room. Yeah. And he's just like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that meme. Um, so here is where we have, like, Adam is with his, like, three best friends. And there's the four horsemen. And then, like, Crowley and Aziraphale, or Crowley, Aziraphale, and Madame is, like, all together thinking about, like, Okay, what's going on? But only Ezrafel's like also Miss Madame. So two and one. Yeah, you hear them like and you like how she said like Gollum, they're kind of doing that. And Adam is like, why are you two people and one person? And because he's the Antichrist and like Armageddon is coming, everything that Adam says is true becomes true. And so Adam like makes this comment like, why are you two people and one person? Just be two people. And then Ezrafel gets his body back. Yeah, Adam has some amazing powers. He made Atlantis become real. Aliens became real. Mm-hmm. Peaceful uh, aliens. Peaceful aliens. Same with the same with the Atlanteans. They uh, met people on a cruise ship. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> and so everything that Adam says at this point becomes true. And so one of the differences we want to talk about, which we're going to get into it after this is like the differences of how the horsemen get stopped but i think first we need to explain the horsemen so do you want to start with talking about death because you made some good comments about him yeah so how the horsemen are finding out that the apocalypse is about to begin is that there is a delivery guy that is his name in both book and in show. He has no name. It is just Delivery Guy. You know he is married to a girl named Maud, but that's about it. He's just the Delivery Guy. And so he gives his package to one of the other four horsemen, which actually we'll discuss later. And then he has one more to give, and it is just a message. And so you, you see him write down, like, I love you, Maud. And the next thing you know... He is walking out into the middle of the street, and then he, like, steps back away from a truck, and he's like, oh, man, I almost missed that. And then you look down, and he's like, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> so he, it, so it was to give the package to Death, and so, yeah. Yeah. Which Death is, I think Death is very cool looking in this, too. Yeah. And then there's also the horseman who we talked about last episode, War, who we meet first, who is given a sword. And then Famine, who we meet second, who's just, like, eating and going through these fast food chains. Well, diner yeah. chains. Yeah, and the thing you need to know about Famine, it's not food food. I don't know how that works out, but it's... Yeah. It's not food food. I don't get it. Which, <laughs> actually, uh, Supernatural does something like that. Yeah, they do, t- yeah. They do it, like, where it's, like, a burger turkey thing that, like, people are eating and, like, becoming slothful yeah they do that but i is is it like no food food 
I don't know. It's like a weird thing. I but think it's also definitely like a ploy on capitalism as well. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, biblically speaking, if you look at the Bible, the fourth horseman after death, war, and famine is conquest. But some people also have said pestilence. And if you don't know what pestilence is, it's a fatal epidemic disease. And so a lot of people use pestilence. I'm pretty sure Supernatural uses pestilence. Mm -hmm. But the way that Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett have, like, adapted it to, like, fit more modernly is that they switch out conquest or pestilence for pollution. They tell you that pestilence retired or something like like that and that uh, pollution took its place. Yeah. And so pollution is a man in the book. At least he's referred to with he, him pronouns. Mm -hmm. But in the show, he's played as a, like, an actress plays him. A woman actor plays him. We we are debating on whether or not the character itself is androgynous. Because we even talked about with the angels if they really do truly have a gender. Yeah. But then there's also confusion as they are referred to as a he- so I was just assuming that they were using uh, female actors to play male characters, which is fine. But um, the actor, ha- or yeah, the actress has very feminine like features. Features, yeah, and like very much like looks like traditionally how you would see a woman playing a woman. Yeah, it's just it's the same thing with Michael too, like the angel Michael. Well, Michael is most definitely looks like a woman in the. Yeah, I mean. But she looks more like a Karen. She is a Karen. <laughs> Michael is a Karen. Michael is a Karen. Um, so the way that they adapt it is like pollution, which pollution is a huge issue in our modern society. And that's when you first meet pollution is that they, I feel like, I feel like they're more of like a they, them. Yeah. They are looking out at a river that's full of pollution and the delivery man comes and you know they say like oh isn't it so beautiful and he's like yeah maybe it wasn't so like wrecked but like pollution also has like stuff oozing out of them they constantly have flies around them because like war and famine look well put together and pollution does look well put together but there's like all this like stuff leaking from them almost like one of the demons yeah i feel like pollution is the creepiest even more creepy than death because as much as cool as death looks, it's very, it's very. But it's what you expect from it, death. Yeah, I was gonna say it's very basic, like Grim Reaper type yeah. of death. And then pollution, like I think, just the way that they do them makes it like almost like more taunting, mm-hmm. like that it's like a huge issue. And I don't know if that was the point of Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett was to like make pollution seem like more dire of a situation than it like war and famine are because of the way they're they portrayed mm-hmm. well especially the eyes in the movie i think that's what got me is mm-hmm. their eyes are these like whitish bluish very very light color and like they barely blink at least i didn't notice them blink at all but again you don't necessarily notice that but it's just very disturbing oh yeah no and i I like it a lot, though. I like the way that they showed pollution. One thing that I really liked was how instead of, like, horses, you know, the four horsemen, they ride motorcycles. And, like, they all look pretty cool when they, like, because they all have, like, the helmets that match them. And they all, like, flip down their visors. They're all in their, like, different colors and stuff. Mm -hmm. And 
So I I, I remember uh, death is black, war is red, uh, pollution is white. What was? Uh, I think famine's famine also black. Is famine also black? Okay. Yeah, and so they break into like a military facility, and that's where we get Armageddon in the scene where Aziraphale becomes back to his human body. Adam's there with his friends. Everyone's together because what they do is they set off to where missiles are going to be fired. And then we have our friends Anathema and Newt who are in there. And, you know, we talked about last week, Newt has like a computer allergy where every time he touches computers, yeah, they just break. They everything. just break. He doesn't have to do anything. He just touches them, which is where this kind of gets funny. <laughs> because... Anathema is trying to figure out, and she's like, "Don't you? Didn't you say you have a degree in computer science?" And he's like, "Well, theoretically, yes, but have I ever actually fixed anything? No, this thing happens." And then he's like, oh, "I know what to do," and he just pushes a random button, and everything stops, so no war happens. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's just. It's just I feel it emotionally because I am terrible with electronics. I feel like anyone I touch just immediately like shatters in my hand. That's when somebody will, like, hands me their electronic. I was like, no, 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 no. So, back to the Four Horsemen. So, we have the Four Horsemen. We have Adam, the Antichrist, and his friends. And his friends in the show actually help him defeat the Four Horsemen. But in the book, it's just everything Adam says comes true. And so, we get that where he says, don't touch them. And they kind of, like, start dissipating one by one. Yeah, it's it's n- more nice to have his friends actually help him. Because you see, like, there's this conflict before all this happens where his friends are, like, trying to leave him because he's getting into his Antichrist side at one point. And really, but they pull him back. They pull him back, yeah. But he they do, he does scare them. Even Dog, like, even Dog, like, leaves leaves uh, Adam for a little bit to go with his friends. And so it's, it's just a very nice, like, come-together moment, you know, to save the world. Yeah. And your friends. What a journey. So from the scene, I did want to do a quote. And what it is is, start now. The four halted a few meters away. It has been done, said Death. He leaned forward a little and stared eyelessly at Adam. It was hard to tell <laughs> if he was surprised. Yes, well, said Adam. The thing is, I don't want it done. I never asked it to be done. Death looked at the other three and then back to Adam. So it's like a thing where death is like explaining like Armageddon starting to happen. And Adam's like, I didn't ask it to be happen, like to happen. So, (laughs) and he's just like, what? (laughs) Death is like, what? He's like, you called for me and now I'm here. And so what do you mean you don't want her to happen? Exactly. And so... One thing that we liked is, so here we have it where um, we have war. And war, this is the first one to, like, war is pretty much the first one to die. And what happens in the book is it says, War laughed and looked expectantly at them. Little boy, she said, playing with your toys. Think of all the toys I can offer you. Think of all the games I can make you fall in love with me, little boys, little boys, with your little guns. She laughed again, but the machine gun shutter died away as Pepper stepped forward and raised a trembling arm. It wasn't much of a sword, but it was about the best you could do with two bits of wood and a piece of string. War stared at it. I see. She said, mano y mano, huh? She drew her own blade and brought up to make the noise of the finger. Being dragged away by the wine glass, 
There was a flash they connected. Death stared into the eyes of Adams. There was a pathetic jingling noise. Don't touch it, snapped Adam without moving his head. The them stared at the sword, rocking, standing still on the concrete path. Little boys, muttered Pepper, disgustedly. Sooner or later, everyone has to decide which gang they belong to. And so that's like where we get like, we show Pepper, who is the girl of the group, like standing up and saying, little boys, like, because Pepper's a girl. And she like makes it very known that she's a girl, even though she likes playing with the boys. She makes it like known, like, no, I'm a girl. Yeah. But in the show, it shows Pepper standing forward. And I didn't get it from reading that. Like in the show, Pepper stands forward and she grabs the sword and she stabs War with it. And War gets like sucked on the sword. And at this point, we have, like, commentary from Aziraphale and Crowley, <laughs> where Aziraphale, like, is standing there, and Crowley looks at him and goes, isn't that your sword? And because it turns into the flaming sword that yeah. he originally gave the biblical Adam and Eve, he gave the, a- Adam the sword from the beginning, where he's like, he's like, isn't that your sword? And he's like, I think it is. And it's just, like, this, like, funny thing, because, like, the whole show and the whole book, like... Everybody's been asking Aziraphale, hey, where's your sword? Where's your sword? And then it finally shows up again. He's like, And it was in War's hands. Like, it's the sword that the delivery man gave to War. Yeah. How it (laughs) ended up there. We'll never know. Never know. But yeah, Pepper is a very strong character within the book and the movie. Oh, yeah. Well, and one thing that's, like, also important is that, like, it's not just Pepper, it's his two other friends as well. One of them speaks to pollution and is like, you know, I believe in a green earth. I believe that, like, we can clean up this earth. And that's what makes pollution disappear. But in the book, it's just Adam saying, don't touch them. Like, yeah, like, leave them alone. So I think in this one movie, you can say that the movie, I mean, the TV show was a bit better as it kind of gave it a more... Instead of just, like, a one-word kills all, like, you have his friends who both kind of stand there and defeat the four horsemen against, like, with their own game. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, like, also how he, his other friend destroys uh, Famine by, like, stating, like, how he feels full and, like, how he believes that, like, people should have healthy alternative options that are, like, real food. <laughs> and it, like, destroys Famine, but, again, in the book, it's just, like, do not touch I them. I think it makes it even a bit better that way because they're so ridiculous. They're literally being destroyed by 11-year-olds saying, like, I want food. I am full. I am satisfied. You know, you know, just saying the exact opposite of what they are, and it kills them, which I feel like in, in a little bit of ridiculous ways, which kind of makes it even more... Uh, ridiculous because you would expect the four horsemen to be these formidable like horrible foes and they're they're portrayed as horrible and formidable within the movie and the book and then they're just kind of stopped very easily well and i think one thing to mention also is that like it almost looks like in the tv show they die but in the book death makes a note like oh he says, you cannot destroy me. That would destroy the world because the world does need death. I mean, that was one of the things, if you're looking at the Bible, God promised us death as a form of punishment for Adam and Eve's sin. Yeah. And so death was the punishment. Sorry, my voice just cried really bad there. But Adam asks, like, what happened to the rest of the three? And they said, he said, oh, they're not far away. They're always in the back of man's mind. So it's like they're not dead in the book. Like it doesn't show them like completely like they're gone. But well, you can't 
kill. I think, again, that goes back again to the theme. You can't kill or destroy the worst parts of man, and you can't kill it within the earth and humanity. Well, because you can't kill them because they're man-created. Man-created war, famine, um, and pollution. So it's kind of, like, hard because, like, it's going to be something that's in the back. And you can't kill death because it's a part of life. Yeah. Which isn't... I mean, death isn't always man-made, but it's man's destiny. Yeah. We, we've talked about this in prior things. Like, it's the one It's the one for sure thing in life. I hate it when my grandpa... My grandpa talks about his death all the time, and it kills me inside. He's like, yeah, someday, Alyssa, you're going to really miss when I'm here. And I was like, can you not? <laughs> yeah. But, so, that's, like, one thing that we really liked. And then, yeah, after that is just when we get, like, a zero foul in Crowley. Just after Armageddon stops, everything's calmed down. We get a zero foul, getting a nice little hellfire bath, and yeah. Crowley getting a holy water bath, and neither one of them dying because <laughs> they switched places. Yeah, there are some, they are some good, wholesome, wholesome people. I think one thing that I also really liked in the show is that, like, it shows the devil coming up. And Benedict Cumberbatch, what a dude. You sent me that meme today and I was dying. I know. <laughs> well, so we have Satan coming up to like, and everything Adam says at this moment is fact. And so he just like looks at him. He's like, you're not my dad. You're not my dad. You're not my dad. And then eventually it like, he spoke it into existence. And one thing I like in the show too is uh, it shows Adam, everything he spoke into existence for like the next like 24 hours or something was true. And then he went to being, like, a normal little kid. So, because Satan was no longer his dad, because he spoke it into existence. And uh, he redoes Aziraphale's bookstore. It comes back from being a fiery, ashy grave. And he also gives Crowley back his car. Crowley, he goes home, and his car is anew. Yes. Crowley and his car. Like, perfect ending. That's why I'm a little nervous for season two, because I'm, like, I'm intrigued. But also, I'm like, it was such a good, wholesome, like, conclusion. It was. It was nice. Well, actually, well, something I wanted to bring up, which we haven't, if you think it's ironic, because Anathema, mm-hmm. like, if you, if you listen to our other podcast, we said that she was supposed to end mm-hmm. the apocalypse. It was destined for her to end the apocalypse or stuff, or to, like, yeah. kill the Antichrist or whatever, or stop it. Mm-hmm. And in reality, if you think about it, she's kind of the one that started it. She was the linchpin to get yeah. Adam, like, going. The magazines yeah, about the magazines. Like, all the stuff he brings into existence, aliens, like all Atlantis, the, cons- all the secret cons- tunnels. Yeah, the conspiracy theories and stuff that really freaks him out. Because we, we made note of this beforehand. Like, Adam's not a bad kid. He was just scared. Yeah, and he doesn't know that... At first, he doesn't realize everything he speaks or, like, thinks about too hard is coming true. Because yeah, first it happens in his dreams. Yeah. And so he's not realizing any of this has happened because a lot of it is happening out of his reach a little bit further away. So he has no idea that he's doing this because it starts out in his dreams and then very slowly he gets more powerful to the point where he can just conjure anything. Mm. But, yeah, he's not a bad kid. I mean, he's the Antichrist, but it's not like he is intentionally trying to harm anyone. It's just that he gets scared and worried and he wants to keep his friends safe. 
So, because I remember being a kid and like all those like news headlines you'd see on the internet about the world ending or or something like about the universe happening would absolutely terrify me. And it'd be my parents would be like, it's not real. And then I'd be like, oh, well, how did you know it's on the internet or something like that before? And and even he made a comment like, it's like, well, that's the internet. Not everything's true on the internet, but these are magazines. They have to be real. All right. Well, I think with that, we pretty much covered the whole show. We covered some of the differences. Yeah, so. we, we we did pretty well. Um, just some closing remarks about the theme is basically about good. Like I've talked about this a lot. It's about good and evil. It's about the best side and the best person you can be is human because like that's i think that's both are necessary to be human good and evil is necessary to be human yeah because i think that's the main point because like the angels are doing stuff for their own benefit and so are the demons so you need to be human because there's only certain things that humans can do and feel that makes them so great well and crowley and aziraphale recognize that that's one of the things is like they recognize that humans have both and that's what makes them unique Mm -hmm. so i like to think of this book as a celebration of being human and being human and using that uh those feelings and the things that we only we can feel to do good in the world yeah, I think that's a good closing remark. And then, so, announcements coming up. We have our New Year episode, which is going to be released January 3rd. And we debated keeping it a surprise, but we're doing Jane Austen January. Woo! So, we will be covering on the 3rd, Emma, and we will be doing a double feature. Two episodes will be released the same night. One will be on Clueless, which is an ad- adaptation of Emma. And then also Emma, the movie that came out in 2019, we'll be covering that one as well. So they will be separate episodes, but they'll be posted at the same time as like a here to the new year. Yeah. And so I'm just ready for Paul Rudd. Young (laughs) Paul Rudd. (laughs) (laughs) And then our second Jane Austen January book will be Pride and Prejudice. And we'll be doing the Kira Knightley version of that movie. The best version. I will (laughs) argue. (laughs) So we will be doing Jane Austen January for the start of the new year. And we're really excited for it. So we hope that you all will tune in for that. And again, we just want to thank everyone for listening to Two English Majors, One Analysis. And have a Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or whatever you celebrate. Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. (laughs) What is Yule? Yeah, Yule. Yule time. Yeah. Whatever you celebrate, enjoy it and have fun being with people who you love. Yeah. We'll see you later. Bye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Lucky Land Slots. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.